Good morning. I'm going to read out of John 1, verse 1 to verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed him in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glorious of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Thank you, Clint. It'd be great if you could have that passage open in front of you somewhere as we turn to God's word together. Now, light and Christmas just seem to go together, don't they? Uh, People have been doing it for centuries, from the very simple uh, Advent candles, uh, right up to the full HD LED light shows that we drive around uh, at night to see at some houses not far from here. Um, In Australia, in 2017, Christmas lights cost an extra $163 million to run for the four weeks before Christmas. Uh, And in this year, in Western Australia... Jenny, Jeremy and Lorraine Stevenson set up a light show at their home. <clears throat> Excuse me. It contains 420,000 lights covering an area of 2,500 square meters, and it took three people working full-time for six weeks to construct. Thankfully, it's not just indulgent. It's being used as a charity fundraiser for a cystic fibrosis charity. Uh, but with all these lights being used for entertainment, I think it's easy to forget that the purpose of lights is really to help us see. That's what they're for, after all. Uh, If you drive around the famous uh, Rainsford Place just up here in Budrum of an evening, you'll see the beautiful Christmas lights displays, which have been going there for many years. But if you drive around during the day, all you'll see are bits of plastic tubing and wires and bits of board and deflated heaps of polyester. You'll see nothing of what it's meant to look like uh, when the lights are on. Even the lights we put around our Christmas trees... Uh, They were simply there originally so other things could be seen. Uh, Apparently the tradition started in Germany in the 19th century 
uh, where wealthy German families would actually pin tiny candles to their Christmas trees. And what would happen is the whole family would get together around the tree, and Dad would light all of the little candles, and they would stand back, and the candles would illuminate all the other decorations on the tree. And then a few seconds later, they would blow the candles out, and that would be that. Of course, there are a bit of a fire hazard putting candles on a dead tree indoors. But the lights were there so people could see, which is why it makes perfect sense, actually, for John to talk about Jesus being the light at the beginning of his gospel, because Jesus actually helps us to see. Now, a moment ago, Rainier read for us from that first chapter of John's gospel. It's the Christmas story, the way John tells it. John, of course, was a close friend and disciple of Jesus. Uh, And he was an eyewitness to everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did. But his Christmas story is a very different one, isn't it? There's no manger, uh, there's no shepherds, there's no wise men, there's no donkeys and sheep and oxen. Um, There's no baby, really. Instead, it's more like a behind-the-scenes look at what happened in that first Christmas when God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. At our carol service last week, we explored why John calls Jesus the Word. And we said it's because he communicates God's life-giving creative power to the world as the one who both was God and was with God right from the very beginning, as we heard in our kids' box. But in verse 4, John continues, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I need to tell you that verse 4 is actually a very difficult verse to understand. It's difficult to understand exactly what John is trying to say. But what's clear is that there is a unique life which is channeled through the Lord Jesus Christ. He was present and involved in creation itself. And so he's uniquely qualified to channel life into the world. But this unique life is not targeted at creation in general, but at people in particular, at you and I. You see, we're not just animals. God has business with us, friends, that he doesn't have with the rest of creation. He's interested in a new creation and a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but... A new creation, a a do-over, actually sounds pretty good at the moment, considering everything that's going on in the world. So, Jesus is both light and life, who enables us to see clearly. But verse 5 also tells us that Jesus' light is an unstoppable light. The darkness cannot overcome it. Now, I've just recently finished finally watching all nine Star Wars movies. I thought they were great, I really enjoyed them. Most of them anyway. But the thing about Star Wars is how the light side and the dark side are set against each other. And the excitement comes from how it looks like the dark side is going to have the upper hand and overcome the light side. But, of course, that's not how light and darkness actually work, is it? You turn on a light in a dark room and the darkness goes away. You can't turn on or turn up darkness and extinguish light. It doesn't work that way because... Darkness is simply the absence of light. 
John's point is that there is something unstoppable about the life light of Jesus coming into the world. When, John was, when Jesus was born, the world could never be the same ever again. God's new creation through Jesus is in motion, and it's reached a point of no return. Now, John breaks off for a moment in verse 6 to clarify John the Baptist's role. Another John. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. He was the last Old Testament prophet. And people thronged out into the desert to see him and hear him. But John was not the light. He was pointing to the light, to Jesus. And as he does, he makes it very clear how we need to respond to the light. Verse 7. John the Baptist came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. So Jesus is an unstoppable, life-giving light from God, and he enables us to see clearly, and in seeing, brings new life. The right response to the life-light that Jesus brings is to believe in him, to trust him. But there's a problem. It would have been great if the light came into the darkness of the world and everyone just thronged to Jesus, flocked to Jesus. But sadly, that's not how it goes. Another way of translating verse 5, and I think John is actually using a deliberate dual meaning here, is that the darkness hasn't understood the light of Jesus. People just didn't get Jesus. In fact, people still don't get Jesus. It's easy to think that Jesus is just another religious leader or just another philosopher, or just another martyred activist who set a good example. Not God in human skin. But it gets worse as we go into verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The world, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. You'd think Jesus would be welcome, wouldn't you? But before he was two years old, remember, Herod tried to kill him. And if you remember the events of Easter, you'll remember his own people colluding with the Romans because of the enraged religious leaders, and they eventually succeeded in having him crucified. Why? Why was Jesus so misunderstood and rejected? Well, the simple reason is that we don't really want or love the light. Why is that? Well, Jesus as a light or as the light of the world is a major theme of John's gospel. We find it in more places than just chapter 1. A bit later in chapter 3, just after Jesus' famous words of, For God so loved the world, he goes on to say in verse 19, that This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. This gets to the heart of the issue. Jesus comes as the light of the world so that we can see clearly and find real life. But seeing clearly also means seeing ourselves clearly. Excuse me. And we would rather persist in the delusion that we're okay without Jesus. We'd rather have that than have to admit that our limitations and our sin and our failures and our weakness and our desperate need of him are real things. 
Because to admit that Jesus is the Savior of the world is actually to admit that I need saving. Every so often after I've gone to bed and turned off the lights, I'll remember something I've forgotten to do. And so I get up without turning on the lights, and I try to blindly navigate my way around the house. And usually I'll bump into something very loudly and wake Melissa, who'll turn to me and say, why don't you just turn on a light? And I'll say, no, it's okay, I'm fine. I know. We would rather grope around blindly in the darkness, though, of secularism, of materialism, of spirituality, than to turn on the light of Jesus because we think, no, it's okay, I'm fine. We don't love the light, but Jesus does show us what we need to see. So what does he help us to see? Well, as we've said, Jesus helps us to see ourselves clearly. As Jesus said, by his light, our works are exposed. Chapter 3, verse 20. Now, almost everyone agrees that Jesus was one of the most morally upright people who ever lived, if not the most kind, generous, compassionate, humble. Now, compare ourselves to Jesus, and we can't help to look, but to look a bit second rate. If we're honest with ourselves, we can't hope to imitate Jesus for anything more than five minutes, and even that's a bit much sometimes. The Bible tells us that God accepts Jesus, but if we fall so far short, will he accept us? The light exposes what we're really like. But this then brings, brings us to something else that Jesus exposes, and in verse 14 we're told that Jesus, the light of the world, shines with glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, it's like a blinding, bajillion-lumen spotlight that exposes everything by the light of God's glorious grace and truth. So as we look at Jesus, we see God in all his glory. As you look at the pages of the Bible, you see a Jesus who heals the sick, a Jesus who tells nature what to do, a Jesus who commands demons, a Jesus who raises the dead. And when he dies, he's raised from the dead never to die again. He must be God. Because he does all the stuff that God does and only God does. And if that's true, he's a God before whom we must bow the knee. But that's not all that Jesus shows us because he also lets us see God's character in God's grace. Because he dies for human sin as a perfect sacrifice. At the hands of human beings themselves, people like you and me, he does that willingly before being raised from the dead, never to die again. And in this way, God provides a way in Jesus for sinners like you and I to have a pardon from our sin that we absolutely do not deserve. That's what Jesus revealed about God on the cross and in the empty tomb. And so the light of Jesus then exposes God's truth. Now, we might be familiar with the Aussie expression, truth, as a way of expressing surprise. That's a shortened form of God's truth. It's usually used in, as an expression that, of surprise that something is undeniably true. God's truth in this case is undeniably true. And the truth is that though God is holy and righteous in his glory, he makes a way for us to be reconciled to himself by the death and resurrection of his son Jesus. 
That's what the light helps us to see, the truth of God and the grace of God. The truth that Jesus shows is that we need a Savior, and he lights the way for us to go from being God's enemies to being God's dearly loved children. So from our reading this morning, verse 12, to all who did receive him, all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. You may have suffered through the awful 2006 Christmas movie, Deck the Halls. It stars Matthew Broderick as a self-styled Christmas expert who ensures that his family follow all the right traditions and attitudes of Christmas time. Uh, but then his new neighbor moves in next door, played by Danny DeVito, and he decides that the Christmas lights display on his house should be visible from space. And this upsets his Christmas expert neighbor, and basically the rest of the movie is a pathetic and juvenile turf war as Broderick's character tries to sabotage and destroy his neighbor's Christmas lights. His heart is actually exposed by the Christmas lights, and we get to see what he's really like, a mean, selfish person who'll stop at nothing um, to have his way, even procuring illegal fireworks to try and blow up his neighbor's uh, Christmas display. Sorry if I've given away the movie. It's a terrible movie anyway. Don't waste your time. It is a terrible movie, but it's a great metaphor for Jesus being the light of the world, actually. Because we think, friends, that we're Christmas experts. We think we know what Christmas is all about. We think we know it's about food and family and presents and holidays and traffic and seeing all the rallies, the beach, overfilled recycling bins, you know, all the good stuff. But the light of the world comes in and he upsets our ideas of Christmas. He exposes who God is, he exposes what we're really like, and he exposes the distance between. But he also exposes that we need a savior to restore our relationship with the God who made us. Our natural response, of course, is to reject that, say, no, it's okay, I'm fine. After all, who wants to admit that they are hopeless and helpless and in need of saving, especially at Christmas? But that's God's truth. So what is the right response to the light? Well, it's to receive Jesus and trust him. Verse 12 again, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So as you consider Jesus this Christmas, think about what the Bible means when it says Jesus is the light of the world. There's an invitation there to step into the light by trusting Jesus. And if you're ready to do that today, it's very simple. It's just ABC. First of all, A, admit, admit that you're a sinner who needs God's forgiveness. Secondly, B, for believe, believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead to give you new life in him. And finally, C, confess, confess Jesus as your king and ask him to give you everything you need to follow him. And you know what? God loves to answer those kinds of prayers. If you do that today, and it's a great day to do that at Christmas time, as Jesus was born it's a great day to be born again. But if you do that today, would you do me a favor and tell someone about it? Find a Christian friend who you could tell that you've began a new life with Jesus today. You can even come and have a chat with me afterwards, um, after the service if you want. I'll be standing up here. Um, you can get in touch with us through our contact details on the back page. If you're thinking about these things, though, and you're not sure, I've got a little pamphlet I'd love to give you this morning. It's called How to Have a Happy Christmas. 
If you're looking for how to have a happy Christmas, come and grab one of these from me afterwards. I'd be very happy to put one in your hands. But now, though, how about we pray? We thank God for sending Jesus into the world as the light of the world. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we recognize that we are so far from you. We're groping around in the dark. But we thank you for sending your son Jesus as the light of the world. Please give us grace to step into the light, to admit that we're not okay without the light, and help us to see ourselves clearly, to see you clearly, and to see the way back to you in Christ. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we bring our service towards a close, we're going to stand together and sing once more.